Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. This week, the Peninsula Florida District of the Assemblies of God Adult Ministries Director Ken Pippin was with us. He has a powerful message from the book of Joshua titled, The Size of the Stone Matters. This morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to one of my favorite stories and why God laid upon my heart. Some of you are probably wondering, what are the rocks for up here? <laughs> well, how many of you know sometimes visual messages stick with you a long time and so I want to give you a visual message this morning and I want you to turn with us to Joshua chapter 4 and we're going to be sharing just a few verses there Uh, we are so excited about what God is doing in Penn Florida and for senior adult ministries and you don't mind if I come down here do you pastor how many of you were born between 1946 and 1964 a large portion of you well, you're, called, you're what we call baby boomers. And you know why you're called baby boomers? Because after World War II and all the men and women came home from the military, there was a baby boom. In fact, we're the largest generation in the history of the United States. There are 76 million baby boomers in the United States. Not only are we the largest generation, we're the first generation that outnumbered the teenagers. Hello? There's more of us than there are them, finally. We get a chance. And we are a prophetic generation, I believe. And let me tell you why I believe we're a prophetic generation. Number one, we're a prophetic generation because baby boomers are the greatest giving generation that America has ever seen. There's never been another generation that gives the way baby boomers give. In fact, I guarantee you if your pastor looks at his tithing rolls, he will see that some of the best givers in his church are the baby boomers. Not only are you statistically the greatest givers in our our country, but you're the greatest servers. The greatest serving generation that America has ever had are the baby boomers. In fact, when you have a work day here, Pastor, I can assure you the majority of the people that show up are the baby boomers. They're the individuals that know how to work. They know how to serve. In fact, after World War II, it was this generation that rebuilt the infrastructure, not only of the United States, but rebuilt the infrastructure of the entire world. But the third statistic is what makes us really special as boomers. There has never been another generation that experienced the move and the power of God the way the baby boomer generation experienced God. You and I, many of us, remember the times in our lives when evangelists would fill whole sport complex with thousands of people And we would watch on black and white TVs or listen on the radios as hundreds of people went down to an altar and gave their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were part of the fastest growing era of the church in the United States. We saw more missionaries go overseas and reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ than any other generation in the history of our country. And in fact, those of you that are Pentecostal, let me tell you, it was your generation and mine that made the baptism of the Holy Spirit a household word around the world everybody knows what the Holy Ghost is and what he can do in our hearts and lives because of our generation. An amazing group of people. But before we get too proud of ourselves, we're also the generation that adopted a phrase, I don't want to get involved. Some of you may remember the story of a young woman that was mugged and killed on the streets of New York. People actually watched from the balconies of their, of their apartments and when asked why they didn't call or didn't say anything, their response was, I don't want to get involved. 
We're also the generation in 1972 that sent back and allowed the Supreme Court to adopt Roe versus Wade. And since that time, 60 million babies have been murdered in our country. Quite possibly the cure for, for heart, heart disease, diabetes, and many of the other problems we have, we killed what God was bringing to our nation. We're also the generation that allowed them to take prayer and Bible reading out of our schools. And all you have to do is read the headlines of what's going on in our schools today to know that if you go back, you trace all those problems to God being pushed out of our school system. And saints, quite frankly, we're the generation that's sitting back right now and allowing the gay and homosexual movement to move into that same school system and lie to our children that this is a normal and acceptable lifestyle for you. So what happened? What happened to the most prophetic and incredible generation in the history of our country? Why did so many of these things happen? And, and, and Brother Brian, as you were sharing this morning, we know David and Beth Grant so well. We've been involved with them before. And, and I can't help but when I watch that, just my heart just crushes. I can't imagine that. But it's in our generation that human trafficking became the multi-billion dollar industry that it is today. Sin took on a whole new dynamic in our generation. So I want to share with you this morning what it means to leave a legacy. And I want to use the story here in Joshua chapter 4. And if you need to write down a title of this message, the title of this message is The Size of the Stone Matters. You know, everything matters today, right? Everybody's got something that matters. Well, today we're going to learn that the size of the stone matters. Joshua chapter 4, I'm going to get in reading verse 1. When the whole nation had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one for each tribe. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over and with you and put them down on the place or at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it, crossed, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We're grateful this morning for the opportunity to share your word and come and represent the Finish Strong Ministries. But God, we just ask this morning that as our words go forth, that God, they'll find open hearts and receptive hearts, Lord, to receive what you would have them to receive this morning. We thank you for the anointing that's upon your word. And now we ask you to anoint uh, your servant, God, as I share. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
This is the second time that the children of Israel have been to the Jordan River. Just 40 years before, they had stood in this same place. And if you know the story, those of you that have read your Bible, you know that because 10 out of the 12 spies that went out to search out the land, they came back with a, a very gloom and despair report. And so God told the children of Israel, you cannot go into the land of the Canaan. You must go back into the wilderness and you must wander for 40 years until all of you that are 20 years of age and over die. And for 40 years, they have circled the same mountain range over and over and over and over and over again until literally, I believe, there was probably a rut in the ground, Pastor. They had been so many times around this mountain range. How many of you know what a rut is? A rut is a coffin with both ends kicked out. Hello? And finally, God has come to Joshua and says, you've been going around this mountain long enough. You've been walking around this mountain long enough. All that faithless generation has died. There's a new generation that's being raised up. And now it's time to go back to the Jordan. I'm going to lead you into the land of Canaan. Now, let me just say this. This is not part of my message. This is free. There are some of you here today that have been going around a mountain in your spiritual life, and God wants to tell you you've been doing that long enough. You know, it gets real comfortable going around the same mountain and facing the same problems and same circumstances. In fact, I've found people and talked with people that are quite proud of the rut they dug in their spiritual lives. But I believe the Lord would have me to tell you this morning, it's time to move towards the promised land. It's time to go to that place where God wants you to go. You circle this mountain long enough. Okay, so the, God tells Joshua, he says, I want you to go. They go through some preparation time and set up time and, and all those things. And then it comes the day that God is going to do the supernatural. And Joshua tells the priest, put the Ark of the Covenant on your shoulders. Walk into the Jordan. I don't believe the bottom of their first foot ever got wet. Immediately as they stepped forward, God moved the water and opened it back up. And I... I believe they had to stand there with their mouth open for at least a few minutes, Pastor. I mean, how many of you have seen water roll back of its own accord before? No, I would have stood there. Really? They had heard about that at the Red Sea, but now they saw it. And the Bible says that the priest walked into the middle of, of this dry bed of the Jordan River now. And if you go to the uh, land of Israel, you might even get baptized. I got baptized in 2018 in the Jordan River. It was cold. But as the priests are standing there, Joshua reminds the people. He says, I've chosen one out of every tribe. I want each one of you men now to go into the riverbed where it's dry, where the priests are standing, and I want you to pick up a stone, and I want you to take it to the other side of the river, and we're going to set up a monument with the stones that, are, that you pick up. Now, if you read the scriptures carefully, when God gave Joshua the instructions, God never told Joshua what size stone for these men to pick up. He simply said, get a stone. Now, when Joshua passes on the information to the children of Israel, Joshua adds a little bit to it. We, we don't really do that ourselves, Pastor. Joshua did that, but we don't do that. So Joshua says, I want you to go and get a stone and place it on your shoulder. Now, how many of you know that implies size? 
I don't need to put this on my shoulder. Right? That one I'm lucky if I can pick up, let alone get it on my shoulder, but are you understanding that what Joshua was implying, I, I believe Joshua understood people kind of like us pastors understand people sometimes. They need a little bit more coaxing to get them to do what they ought to do. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if when we shared a need and shared something like you're doing next, uh, on Easter Sunday for, for this offering that you would have ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 come in because people would literally go and take money out of their 401k to bless these kids and help these kids get out of this situation. Situation. But many times we wind up having to beg and plead and encourage and coax to get people to do things when in reality we should understand the need that God is laying out. And so Joshua says, go get a stone and put it on your shoulder. Now I can imagine as these 12 men went into the river that one of them's probably saying, I just don't believe this. I cannot believe that Joshua call me. I'm one of the leaders of my tribe and he wants me to go pick up one of those dirty, filthy stones and carry it to the other side of the river. Joshua, why would you ask me? I got people that I pay. I got slaves that I, I have, Joshua, that can carry that dumb rock. Why would I have to do that? I can hear another one say, I'm far too intellectual for this. I might get my hands dirty. What can Joshua be expecting from me? And they probably had all kinds of different excuses. Let me, let me just get you to understand what I, I, I want you to see this morning. The stones would represent a memorial, a legacy for the nation of Israel. Those stones would represent to the children grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, an opportunity to take them back and stand them next to this monument and say, you know what happened one day as we came up to the Jordan River? God, our God, Jehovah God, opened the Jordan back, dried up the uh, riverbed, and allowed us to walk across on the other side. And these stones were once in the middle of that river. That's what the monument was for. Can I tell you this morning, and I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying, every one of us is leaving a legacy that somebody will see. Every one of us, with every choice and every decision of our life, leaves a stone that our children, grandchildren, co-workers, friends, and neighbors will be able to see. This was about more than a monument. It was about a legacy. And can I tell you this morning, saints, your life is about more than the occupation that you have, the number of children you have. It's more about the than just the church where you go or your financial uh, uh, income or outgo. It's more, about, it's more about all those things. It's more about the fact that God wants you to leave a legacy. And I believe the problem with the boomer generation is that we have failed to leave the legacy that God called us to leave. We have a generation that's following us, a Gen X, Gen Y, millennial generation that follows us as baby boomers that are more interested in the supernatural than any other generations that have ever been raised up in the history of our country now is it 
is it really coincidence that God puts a generation that knows more about the supernatural in a place right before them to teach them and instruct them and a generation that follows them that wants to know about the supernatural? I hear our seniors, and I, you know, I, I, I predominantly speak to the seniors. And, and, and let me just share, many times our seniors will come and say, yeah, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, but, but young people won't listen to us as seniors. No, they won't. If all we're going to do is complain, if all we got to do is find fault and criticize with the color of their hair, where they wear their earrings and other things, the, the loudness of the music, that they don't sing hymns. No, they're not going to listen to us if all we got to do is complain about them. But, but let, let me tell you, if you want to really do something, is your youth pastor here, pastor? Where's your youth pastor? Okay. If you want, do you, how many of you like to mess people's heads a little bit? Come on, I like to play games. Tonight. Go into your youth services on Wednesday night. Go into your youth service. Now, you might want to take earplugs. It could probably be a little loud in there. Go, go into the youth service. Sit in the back of the youth service. And, and as the service begins, raise your hands and begin to pray. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. And call down the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the youth service. Pray that God would just move in a powerful way. Kids would be slain in the Spirit, filled with the power of God. Supernatural things will take place in the youth service. Let me tell you what will happen. Well, first of all, the kids are going to come up and ask you why you are in there. Okay? But tell them. Say, you know, I remember my youth service. I remember what God used to do in my youth service. I want that for you. I want that to happen in your life, and I'm here to pray for that. But even greater what will happen is when those kids run into a problem in school, and believe me, brother, they run into problems in school, that they don't know how to deal with and they don't know how to handle Guess who God might send them to? You follow me? Come on now. This is a person that's praying for me every week in my youth service. This is a person that's investing their time and their, and their prayers into my life. And they will come to you and they'll begin to share. And now what you can do is say, you know what? Let me share how God helped me through the situations I went through in high school. Let me help you uh, understand how God helped me go through breakups and, and situations with my parents. Let me explain to you how God sent the Holy Spirit at just the right time and in just the right way to make a difference in my life. Don't tell me young people won't listen to you just quit complaining and share the power of God out of your life they want to hear they want to know something that's different that's the reason they're chasing the supernatural you and I know what God moving means Amen. How many of you grew up in services where people would be healed supernaturally and people get filled with about Sunday night service almost never ended before 10 or 10 30 in the church I grew up in God would move you say, oh, well, Pastor, our, our church doesn't have Sunday school and we don't, we don't have Sunday night service anymore. I just love when people ask me that question because my next question is, who quit coming? <laughs> oh, now see, it gets real quiet. There, you know, there's not a pastor in the world that's going to stop something that's successful. Right, Pastor? So if we don't have Sunday night service and, and Sunday school in our churches, it's because we didn't support it. Suddenly, Disney World and other places became more important than our children being raised in the house and the fear of the Lord. And now we wonder why our kids 
or in Disney World on Sunday instead of in church. Come on now, don't be mad at me. I'm only here one day. So I can, I can believe that these different 12 men probably had all different kinds of ideals. One of, them, one of them is probably saying, you know, I don't know which stone to pick up and, and, and I don't know which one to find. And they're, they're running all over the place. I can picture Joshua standing up on the shores. Oh, man, just get a rock, pick up a stone, do something. But they kept going on and on. Finally, they all come out on the other side. And Pastor, I, I believe with all my heart the stones were probably represented much as this because some of them didn't care enough to try hard and just picked up anything. But maybe some of them I don't know where you're at in your legacy building this morning. But let me tell you, the size of the stone matters. I taught a class at the Experience Conference last year, basically on, are you going to leave a legacy or are you just going to leave a space? Huh? I was amazed that almost half the class were teenagers and young adults. They're already interested in about the legacy that their life will leave in this world. And we have some seniors today that only have a short time left to leave a legacy, and many of them are not making any effort to pick up a bigger rock. I want to do a, a little demonstration here this morning. I, want, I like for this young man there on the end. He looks in the purple shirt there. Yeah, don't worry. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I want you to come help me. How many of you know what this is? This is a baton, okay? If you've ever done any relay racing, what's your name? Jacob? Oh, wow. I could have best, but a biblical name, right? Hey, you're okay. Hang in right there. Have you ever done any relay racing? Track and field? Well, you're going to do something today. This is a baton, okay? This is used in relay races. In relay races, you have 20 meters approximately between runners to pass this baton off. Now, we're going to kind of improvise a little bit here because we don't have that much space, and I don't run that fast. But we're going to pretend like we have an 880 relay to run. An 880 relay consists of four legs of 220 yards. Any track and field runner, anybody that's worth anything in running relays can run a 220 sprint flat out, wide open. He does not have to hold anything back for the end. He can do it full bore. Okay? So basically, most of your relay runners all run about the same speed. The trick is in the passing of the baton. So we have about 20 meters, Jacob, and Jacob is looking back at me. I'm the first runner on the leg, and I'm coming as fast as I can towards Jacob. I am pushing everything that I have. I don't have to save anything. 
In fact, as I get closer to Jacob, I'm going to kick in the afterburners. And if there's anything left in me at all, I'm going to give it everything. And I'm going to be leaning forward with this baton stretched out. And as I come up to him, he's run with me before, so he understands that when I get to a certain spot on the track, he needs to take off because I am going to run over him if he's not moving. He's got 20 meters to catch the speed that I'm already running, and he'll be facing the other way. Turn that way, Jacob. Put his left hand back. Now, you don't have to move because we're not going to run, but he's going to put his left hand back, and I am coming up. Turn the other way. You can't look at me. You're looking ahead. Okay, and he's running now as hard as he can go, and I'm stretching. Put your hand back, and I'm going to lay this baton in his hand, but the key is I'm not going to turn it loose until Jacob physically pulls it out of my hand. I have to know that Jacob has the baton. Thank you, Jacob. Let's give Jacob a hand. As a baby boomer generation, Josh McDowell says we may be the last Christian generation in America. If we don't pass this baton effectively, the next generation may never know that God can roll back the Jordan River, that God can open up the Red Sea, God can pour out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God can do incredible things in our life if we pass that knowledge and that baton on to the next generation. I told you a few minutes ago I, I like to fish. And I wrote a little book called Boats and Baits. And it's 300 words per page and it's little stories about fishing and, and I wrap a spiritual meaning around it. But let me just share one of the stories with you because it goes along with what we shared here today. A few years ago, I think it was the year 2000, my son and I both had boats. I fish out of the Gulf. I run offshore 15, 18 miles. And so he had his boat and I had mine. We had 11 guys from the church that were going fishing with us on New Year's Day. And so we went over to Cedar Key. We launched the boats and it was so foggy that you literally could probably not see from here to Highway 60 at all there was just no visibility after about a hundred feet or so my son did not have a gps on his boat i did and so i told him i said kenny be sure and stay close to me you don't want to lose me in the fog i won't be able to find you and you will not be able to find your way back to shore stay close to me and so we took off and when we finally left the last marker buoy i took off with my boat and I wasn't thinking about it. I was talking to the guys with me. And suddenly I turned around. No Kenny. I could not see him. And even after shutting the engine off, I could not hear his motor. And I know better than to come home without my son. That wasn't going to happen. So I told the guys on the boat, I said, listen closely. If you hear him, start hollering, screaming, do something. He doesn't have a GPS. There's no way he's going to be able to find his way in the fog. We have to locate him. We cannot do that. It wasn't but two or three minutes, and Kenny's boat came out of the fog and pulled up next to me. And I looked at him with this blank look on my face, and he said, Dad, what's wrong? I said, Kenny. <sighs> How in the world did you find us in the fog? 
He said, oh, Dad, that was easy. I just followed your wake. Just think a minute, you'll get this. How many of us know that each one of us are leaving a wake behind us? A boater knows that he can't go anywhere without leaving a wake. It always leaves a wake. We always do. And each one of us are leaving a wake in our life. My question is, where is your wake leading someone to? What are you teaching and training your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? Many of our Assembly of God churches are in a place where as much as 70% of their congregation is over 65 years of age. Do you know what that means? That means quite literally that church is dying. And there's going to come a time, Pastor, when there won't be anyone else there. See, that's the reason we wonder sometimes why pastors do things that draw young people and young families in. For the same reason husbands and wives have children to carry on a legacy. If we don't bring in the young ones, if we don't bring in those young families, and, and you say, well, yeah, but Pastor, they, they, they do things so differently, we'll get over it. Church has never been about you, never will be about you, so get over yourself. Church is about reaching people for the kingdom of God. If that means handing out food and sometimes handing it to people that don't deserve it, you hand out food. If that means reaching out to those that are, that, are, that are dirty, we started a church while we were in Tarpon Springs, another church that was for the homeless. And let me tell you, I've been around there where literally the odor was almost overwhelming. But there was nothing they had liked better than for you to come up and lay your hand on their shoulder and to begin to talk to them because that said, I accept you just like you are. And what an incredible opportunity to be able to share the love of Christ with them. Church today has to be more than just uh, uh, simply preaching the gospel, having musical cantatas. Those days are over, saints. Church today has to be all about compassion ministries. We have to get outside the walls of this church and let the people outside the walls know that we love them and we care about them. Let me tell you, sometimes we do a good job to sell all of our church and property and just invest it in ministry outside of the walls of the church. It's about compassion for others. We're leaving a legacy. And if we don't pass that baton effectively, our kids and grandkids won't have a Pentecostal church to attend. We just, second great-grandchild born two days ago. <laughs> I want an AG church to be around when Baylor, Daniel, Pippin are I, I mean, the girl married, so it's Baylor, Daniel, uh, Shane, uh, Kane. I'll get it right in a minute. I, I want him to have a church to go to. You understand what I'm saying? I want him to have a church. It's okay if they have different colored lights on the stage. I've been in churches where the smoke's coming out of the ceiling, and I'm a firefighter. That really bothers me. I've been a firefighter 10 years. It really bothers me. I've seen those strobe lights flashing. Uh, people say, oh, I can't worship with the strobe light flashing. Close your eyes. Are you understanding my heart this morning? 
We can't fail. You say, well, pastor, for me, it's probably too late. I've, I've, I've waved on way too far. It's too late. Let me tell you a quick story, and I'm going to close. Manasseh was quite probably the worst king that Israel ever had. He was Hezekiah's son, and Hezekiah was a pretty good guy. He, near the end of his reign, he missed a boat a few times, but... Manasseh was a horrible, horrible individual. Idolatry, all kinds of stuff he brought in. And he had a son named Amnon. Sometime, we don't know exactly the timing in there, but sometime during that Assyria attacked, they took Manasseh away, put Amnon on the throne. Amnon only lasted two years as a ruler because the people hated him so much they assassinated him. But before he died, he had fathered a son. Manasseh's in prison in the Assyrian country. And for whatever reason, God. And Manasseh came to recognize Jehovah God as his Lord. Incredibly, the Assyrians released him from prison, sent him back to Israel to be the ruler again. That's unheard of. But now he's a different man. And I believe that Manasseh looked at a grandson and realized I messed up with my son, but I am not going to mess up with my grandson. And Manasseh, I believe, was the instrument that God used because his grandson's name was Josiah. Other than David, probably the greatest king that Israel ever had. Started reigning at eight years of age and by the age of 16 had turned Israel back to God. It's never too late to choose a bigger rock. It's never too late to invest more in your legacy your kids and your family need you desperately. So I want to ask you to stand with me just a moment if the worship team would come back just a minute. This is my heart and passion. Every church we preach in, this is the messages we're preaching because I believe that you and I as baby boomers are a generation that can turn this country around if we just get back to that place where many of us came from God will use us to change everything I believe with all my heart Jesus is going to come back very soon I still believe that he may not come back in my lifetime, but if he doesn't, he's going to come back in the lifetime of my kids or my grandkids. I believe that with all my heart. Are we going to make a difference? Are we going to choose a bigger rock? Are we going to be content with just doing something that gets by? The cost will be our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. If Josh McDowell is right, it's because the baby boomers failed to pass the baton to the next generation. 
So all I want to ask you this morning, I don't know where you're at and leaving your legacy. I don't know what your spiritual condition is. Your pastor and I have not talked about any of those things, so I don't know anything. All I know is that if we don't do a better job, our country is in a world of trouble, and so is the rest of the world. And so I simply want to ask you just for a moment this morning, if you say, Pastor, I can carry a bigger rock than the one I picked up. I know I can. So I'm going to put my rock back down and I'm going to pick up a bigger rock. I'm going to do more than I have ever done to invest into this next generation and my kids and grandkids. I'm going to let my spiritual life be such an example to them that they're going to know that I love Jesus Christ more than I love anybody else in the whole world. And if that's you this morning, it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're a senior or whether you're younger, you're still leaving that legacy. Work for both of my sons. One of my son pastors full-time in Pinellas Park. And thank the Lord for that. He, he wasn't always where he needed to be, but God took care of him, brought him back. The other son was our worship leader for over 14 years. Him and his wife still heavily involved in the church where they're at today. And I am grateful that both of them look at me and say, Dad, Mom, it was your life that we watched that made the difference. And it's not because of us. It's because of him. It's always because of him. You let Jesus live through you and it will draw your children like a magnet. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So I want to ask you this morning, can you carry a bigger rock? You say, I already have a big one, Pastor, but can you carry a bigger one? If that's your desire, I want you to just step forward quickly this morning and join us down here just for a few minutes and we're going to pray. Now, this is not something you can coax people into doing. They either want to do this or they don't want to do this. Only you can look at your life and determine how big a rock you really carry. Are your children following the Lord? Your grandchildren following the Lord? You say, well, I can't do anything about that. Oh, yes, you can. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Fast for them. Pray for them. Believe God for them. That God's going to turn them around, make something different out of their life. My son says it so eloquently. He says, there's nothing better than going to heaven except taking somebody else with you. There's nothing worse than going to hell but taking somebody with you. I want to take as many people to heaven as I can take with me. And if it requires a bigger rock, then God help me, I'll pick up a bigger rock. I want to pray for you this morning. And I thank you for your attention and giving us this opportunity again, Pastor, to come. But I want to pray for you. Can I tell you right off that you can't get a bigger rock continuing to do the same thing that you're doing. <laughs> Teen Challenge says it this way, to continue to do the same thing and expect a different results is insanity. Okay, so you're going to have to do something different. Maybe a little more attendance to church, a little more witnessing. The number one reason people don't come to church, they haven't been asked. Number one reason given by non-church people. Why aren't you in church? I've never been invited. Shame on us. Before Easter Sunday, invite five, ten people. You say they won't, they won't all come, okay? If you get one of them, that's better than none. Amen? So let me pray for you this morning. And I'm going to ask God to help you, give you wisdom of how to find a bigger stone than what you're carrying. Have a greater legacy than what you already have in your life. 
Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.